Hello, hello, you're tuned in to the Paul Leslie Hour, and we are pleased to present the return of vocalist and recording artist Steve Tyrell to discuss his new album, Shades of Ray, the songs of Ray Charles. You know, the Paul Leslie Hour is made possible by listeners and viewers like you. Uh-huh. Just go to www.thepaulleslie.com support, and we thank you everyone who's contributing. Now, Paul Leslie and Steve Tyrell, take it away. How you doing, man? I'm great. How are you? Can't complain. That's good to hear. Well, ladies and gentlemen, it is with much, much excitement that I announce the return of our guest, Steve Tyrell. He is one of our best singers in American music, and I can testify he's a great performer and entertainer, a Grammy and Emmy Award winner. Mr. Tyrell is a record producer, songwriter, music supervisor, a radio host on K-Jazz, a great vocalist, and he's got this great new record out, brand new. When I heard it, I was floored. Everybody knows that I love Ray Charles. The title of this album is Shades of Ray, the songs of Ray Charles. Steve Tyrell, it is a great pleasure to have you here, an honor. Thank you, Paul. It's my pleasure to be here, man. Wonderful. So Ray Charles, I think, is one of the all-time greats in the world. And I know that you That's for sure. (laughs) Tell me. Why did you think that the time was right to come out with a Ray Charles, to pay tribute to Ray Charles on an album? Well, he has been the biggest influence on of my singing and my music since I was in high school, you know? I mean, the first time gigs I had in high school trying to pick up girls was singing What I Say at the Hop, you know? So I've always loved Ray. I've always respected Ray. I had the opportunity to work with him a few times and to write a couple of songs that he sang on uh, some of his albums and and other people's albums. So it's just something I always wanted to do. And I really, quite honestly, took it took the pandemic to give me, make me do it. You know, every time I'd start, I go, I don't know, man, I don't know if I'm good enough to be even trying to do a Ray Charles album. You know, you don't see many Ray Charles salutes. You see a lot of salutes to different artists, you know, over the over the years, great artists like Frank Sinatra and Nat King Cole. And, but you don't see many salutes to Ray Charles. That's because he's so awesome. We're all scared, scared to try it, you know, but I'm happy with the way this came out. What are your recollections of being in the studio singing these songs? Well, they're all in my heart. I mean, I didn't have to listen to Ray's version to sing them. You know what I mean? They just, they were in my soul. Ever since I first heard them, I I remember he released uh, Modern Sounds and Country and Western Music. I was in high school. And uh, that that album changed my life. And as I I got to know Ray, he said that... um, the record company didn't want him to do that. They thought that it was not a good idea for him to try to sing country songs. Meanwhile, it was one of the biggest albums of all time, one of the most respected albums of all time. And it proved to me what I already knew, that Ray Charles could sing anything and sing it at the highest possible level. 
You know, so there's there's a lot of great singers in this world that do what they do, but Ray could do anything and every and he did too everything country music standards, blues, jazz, whatever he could just when he sang it, it became a Ray Charles song. And I have to say that that's reflected on the record, the variety of stuff. When I saw your show, this was from a couple years ago when you were at uh, City Winery in Atlanta. Mm -hmm. I was reviewing the show afterwards and I said, you know, Steve Tyrell, he could sing a country song like nobody's business. And Ray Charles was also someone. So many of these songs on here are country songs. Yeah, exactly. I mean, that album, Modern Sounds in Country and Western Music, that Ray Charles album, I think it's, I read somewhere, it's uh, Rolling Stones has one of the top five albums of all time, you know. So can you're you, right. Can you recall one of the first Ray Charles songs you heard on the radio or on a record? I don't know, man. I Got a Woman, could, all those early ones, you know. I got a woman, we'll tell. It's good to me. I mean, that was a good one. Uh, what I say, of course, you don't know me. Hallelujah. I just love him, love her so, you know. Let the good times roll. All of those songs. I don't remember which ones I heard first, but they, he did a bunch of rhythm and blues songs. And uh, when he first started, my favorite Ray Charles songs were on the old Atlantic label. And uh, so I had Warner Brothers owns my records now and they also owned the old atlantic label so this re this record shades and of ray i had warner brothers put it on the atlantic label so when you buy this record it's very cool it's on the old atlantic label that ray charles first recordings were on i think that's a nice little touch <laughs> kind of like you i i like to dig in music. And I like those little connections. I like to go back and listen to stuff. I was listening to recordings from CL and the pictures. Yeah. And also hand me that album, that Ray Charles album, my mind, you know, go ahead. I'm sorry. Yeah. Let's, let's have a look at it. I know that you performed Ray Charles songs back when you were doing CL in the pictures gigs. Yeah. That was my first band that I ever was in. You know, we used to play these kind of, in Texas, it, you know, they, they had a lot of there was a lot of rhythm and blues, and all. And the bands played a lot of R and B. We played, you know, Ray, Bobby Blue Bland was big in Texas, and one of my all time favorites. By the way, here's that Atlantic. This is the label that Shades of Ray is on. <laughs> That's the same label that Ray was on when he started. Anyway, don't nice. you like to see that? Anyway, what are we talking about? I forgot. Oh, yeah. We were talking about uh, CL and the pictures in those. Oh, yeah. Well, they, the guitar player was a guy named Charlie Broyles, and he was a friend of mine. And they they played a, a club, a kind of a blues club in Kima, which is outside. It's a, outside of uh, Houston. And they played five nights a week or no, six, six nights a week, I think. They were only off on Sunday nights and, and packed that place every night. So I used to go to ride to the gig with him. I was in high school, man. I would sing to the radio and and stuff. And he said, man, you ought to start singing with us. And, and I said, well, y'all already got a singer. He said, no, no, we, 
we could learn a few tunes and you could sit in with us. And that's, so that's what, what I did. I learned some songs and they would call me up on the bandstand, CL in the pictures. And then CL was a great guy, man. He, he was a great singer himself and he was not at all worried about another guy singing in the band. You know, he was very confident and he should be, he was great. And uh, so they opened, led me in the band with open arms and then got the label they were on. They were, they were a big group in Houston. They were on a national label. And uh, the guy that owned the label said, you, you should make a record too. And we'll, we'll make a record with you. So I made my first record when I was in CL and the pictures. And then that began to, my career as a singer. We were talking a little bit before we went on air about the great background behind you there. You've got some photos with, we could say, you and and the people of American music. But can you tell us a little bit about some of these black and white pictures? Can you see them back, I back see there? I some mean, of them. These are just some of my, you know, I used to have a studio and uh, for years in, on Sunset Boulevard in Hollywood. So I gathered a bunch of, you know, a lot of people recorded in my studio with me. So these are just basically snapshots, mostly from that time. Well, let's see who's on there. I don't know. Ray Charles and me, Aaron Neville and Linda Ronstadt recorded in there. I produced Don't Know Much, that song with her and uh, Aaron that won, I don't know, five Grammys or something. Rod, Rod Stewart's right behind us here. You can't see him, though. And uh, Elton and all of those people, Frankie Valley, Bird Backrack was a big supporter of mine. Dolly Parton is back there on the wall. Jack Nicholson, I did a song with him in in a movie called Something's Gotta Give, you know. And uh, so that's that's some of the guys back there. Let's see if I forget. Steve Martin is back there. Nancy Myers, because I sang in their Father of the Bride movies. Dion Warwick, who I started with. So I just took some of the pictures that I used to have in my studio and put them in my little office here. So I I can remember all those great times I had with those wonderful people, you know? Man. <laughs> now, since we've been focusing on Ray, and uh, they can see sometimes that, that picture of you and Ray Charles, what was it like being in his presence? It was great. And the the... You know, he was my hero. And a lot of times you meet your hero and you're disappointed because it's not what you, he's not what you thought. You know, you made it built him up. So Ray was everything but that. I had written a song. I worked on a show. I did a lot of movies and television music too. And I had worked on a show called Frank's Place in the 90s and uh, with Tim Reed. And it was really cool. It was about a, a blues bar in New Orleans and the jukebox was like the star of the show. Cause he played all this great music and I was in charge of all the music. Ray Charles got a hold of Tim Reed and told him that he loved the show and uh, complimented him on it, you know? And so the next show that he got was a show called Snoops where he and Daphne, his wife played these detectives who start like Nick and Nora, Charles, you know, it was kind of a, a African-American version of that. And they were these detectives solving, solving crimes. 
And the show was called Snoops. So Tim asked me to write a song for, for the theme song, you know. So I wrote this song called Curiosity about these Snoops. I really, he really liked it. And, and I said, well, man, why don't, you, why don't we call, see if Ray Charles will sing this song. And Ray had never done a theme song for a television show. He was against it. He thought it was like beneath him, you know. So I sent him, I, he called, Tim called Ray. I sent him the song and uh, he liked it. He said he'd do it. So he came over to my studio. And from the time he came to my studio and the time that we sent him the original version of the theme song, he, uh, the CBS, it was on CBS. They, they changed some of the opening pictures, titles, and they made us, they asked us if we rewrite some of the first verse, different lyrics, because they didn't match these new pictures. So we did. And Ray comes over to sing the song, and he says, uh, asked me to play the track. And I did. And he said, hey, man, where them words come from? <laughs> I said, well... <laughs> CBS asked us to change a couple of the lyrics. He said, well, ain't nobody told me that. And I said, well, sing whatever you want. Sing the whole lyrics. You're Ray Charles. What they going to do? Fire you? You know, <laughs> they're thrilled that you've agreed to do this. He said, no, I'll tell you what, man. You and me, will go. He said, who's that guy singing, by the way? I said, that's me. And he said, beautiful, man, beautiful. <laughs> so uh, he said, I'll tell you what we'll do. I don't have my machine with me. He didn't have his Braille machine. So he couldn't change the words in Braille. He didn't have it with him. So he said, uh, I'll tell you what we do. We'll go in the studio, you and me, sit across from each other, and you sing me the new words line by line. And every time you 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 sing a line, I'll sing it back to you. And I'll sing it back to you 10 times if you want. And then you just put together the best version with the right words. So I actually sat there and gave Ray Charles line readings line by line on that song. And that was the first time we worked together. And that's a bonus track. That's the bonus track because it's never been on a record on my Shades of Ray album. It's called Curiosity with me and Ray singing back and forth, trading lines. And so it, was, it, it, it worked out all these years later that it got released. That's a great story. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was amazing, man. It was amazing. I mean, can you imagine sitting right there and singing... I don't know, one funny thing happened. When we got to the bridge of the song, I thought I had come in on the downbeat. And uh, so Ray sang it, and he came in after the downbeat. I said, no, man. I said, you need to come in on the downbeat. He said, well, you didn't come in on the downbeat. And I said, I said, uh, I think I did. He said, play the tape, man. Play the tape. And he played. I played the tape. And he was exactly right. I came in. Where you lead, don't you know I will follow? And came in after the downbeat, you know. And he says, and he laughed. I said, yeah, you're right, right? He said, I know I was right. <laughs> he said, why don't you let me do the singing and you do the producing? <laughs> and we got a big laugh out of that. But it was one of the happiest days of my life, actually. Trading out lines with Ray Charles, one by one. And it's on this album. That version is on this album. As a bonus track. It's called Curiosity. And then I did a, another movie with him later with a song I wrote for him and Diana Ross that I produced. And, and that went on his Genius Loves Company album. Yeah, Genius Loves Company 2, I think it was. And that's uh, Big Bad Love. 
Yeah, right. And you have a version on this Shades of Ray record. Right. You sing it as a duet also, like Ray did. A great, great singer, a great talent. You and Nita Whitaker. Yeah, she's wonderful. I met her from David Foster. She, 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 David, uh, my friend, he produced a lot of stuff and a lot of the things he did for Whitney Houston and different people that he produced. He would have Nita come and sing the scratch tracks for him. So I, I met, I heard her first from David Foster. And so I asked her if she'd sing this with me on my record. I couldn't ask Diana Ross. She'd already done it, you know, <laughs> with Ray, but that's how that happened. Well, what was it like for you going back to the Ray Charles and the, the Diana Ross version when you heard that the first time? When I heard, when I produced it. I was yeah. there when she sang it and Ray sang it. What, what, is that, what's, what's the question? What, yeah, when you listen to the final, because I was listening to that today, the, the, the Ray and Diana version, and it's just a, also an incredible duet. What did you think when you heard the final, the finalized version? Well, I, first I, produ- I put Ray, Ray sang it first. Mm-hmm. So I taught the song to him, and I originally thought that it would be great to have Ray and Aretha do that song. Two greatest R and B blues singers of all time, but Aretha wasn't available, and so I asked Ray about it, and I thought about Diana Ross. I produced an album with her, and I think she's great. And I and I thought the contrast of their voices, Ray's big bad love and Diana's sweet thing, would be good. And I I mentioned that to Ray, and he loved that idea. He thought that was even better to have him sing with her. He thought there was a better, bigger contrast between the two singers, and and so he was a big he was a big fan of us doing it with Diana, and so I did Ray's vocal, and then Diana Diana came in, and this is Diana Ross, the supreme diva of all time, you know, <laughs> and it was she was so wonderful, you know, he, she came in and she was like singing to her idol, you know, wow. she was she was she was sweet. You know, she really wanted to get it right because that was Ray she was singing with. And she had never, as big a star as she was, singing with Ray Charles was a big deal for her, as it should be. Well, speaking of duets, another cut from this Shades of Ray record, you do a duet of one of the greatest rhythm and blues rock songs of all time, Hit the Road Jack with Charles Gibson. Yeah. What was it like doing that iconic song, Hit the Road Jack? Well, Charlotte did a did a great job on that song. She really, she, 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 I was getting the idea of how to do it, and I had worked with her. She she was like a, you know, she she was pretty known in LA. And so I asked her to sing the girls part, and she just killed it, man. And I stopped right there. I just had to do my side of it, but it's mainly the girls part is the, is the, you know, the most important part of the song. Hit the road, Jack. Don't you come back no more. What'd you say? You know, so she killed it. And it was, I was, I was thrilled with her. I, she started out by singing it as a demo for me. And I didn't know who I was going to get to sing the girls part, but she did it so good that I didn't want to, I didn't want to, explore any other possibilities you know 
you know, singers and recording artists, they're always fond of saying that picking favorites is like picking children. But yeah, I, you, can, I, <laughs> if, I can see that. If you can tell me your favorite, I'll tell you my favorite from this record of yours. Oh man, that's that's almost impossible. You know, I would I love Born to Lose. I love Georgia on my mind. I love I love Let the Good Times Roll. That has a great spirit and a great way to start the record, I think. So I don't know. Am I blue? That was another version of Ray Charles's singing that I really loved. Of course, what I say is what I say. You don't know me is I is probably the one that I get the most requests for. Uh-huh. Well, that, is that one of your you don't know me. I thought that was a that was a grand slam. Well thank you. I play it every night on my gigs. People love it. And when it shows something too. That song was written by Eddie Arnold. Yeah. Great country singer. Ray just made it his own. And it's it's one of the most I'd say I'd say you don't know me is one of the most special tracks on the on the whole album. It's beautiful. Um, but, I'm glad you like it, man. You know, the last time we did an interview together, the the last and the only other time, you were saying in there, you said something like, ideally you get better with each record that you make when you're a recording artist. You should. I mean, you should. You learn more, you know. And I don't know. I, if I said that, I, I know that you should. You should be getting better or why do it? <laughs> they were, let them just keep playing the old ones. I don't know. I think this is my best album, honestly. I don't know what you think, but most people it. like my first standards album to be. That's the, the very first one, you know. But I think this this thing was a, you know, to tackle these songs by Ray Charles and to be happy with the way they came out. And I wouldn't have probably ever finished it if it wasn't for the pandemic. You know, but I'm sitting. No, I'm doing nothing. I say, hey, let me let me get back into this Ray Charles album and finish it. And I did. And I'm glad I did. And Warner Brothers wanted me to do it, so a lot of people contributed to me making this Shades of Ray. But look at this late. This label is the coup de gras, isn't it? <laughs> Can you imagine? Now you know what's fun. What's amazing? My first album was uh, was on Atlantic as well, and I used. The same label. I love this label. It means <laughs> it, it touches my heart. There's some of the greatest music. Aretha was on this label. You know, there's so many people were on this label that I admire that uh, for Warner Brothers to let me use the old Atlantic label was a thrill. And it was my first album was also on that same label. Just a little something that's, you know, meaningful to me. I don't know if it is to anybody else. Definitely meaningful. Well, speaking of the the lockdowns, God willing, coming to an end, you're you're going back on the road. You got some Christmas and a New Year's Eve gig. Yeah, well, I have. I've been on the road. I've been to New York. Uh, I've been to. Oh man, I can't even remember all the places. I've been on three tours so far. Three times out. This is the. I played in. New York, I played in Annapolis, Maryland. I played in, they all run together because you you go out on the road. Isaac, are you back there? Yes, I am. Where are the three tours we just played? 
Well, the we just went out to Annapolis. We were in Maryland, and then we did the Birchmere, which is in uh, Alexandria. That's Washington, Washington D.C. Basically, yeah. And then after that, we did Sony Hall in uh, New, New York. York City. But, but before that, where did we play? Oh, before that, I we, can't remember all this stuff. You just go out and do yeah, it. Yeah. Well, we went to Philadelphia, Philadelphia. And, and you yeah. performed there. Uh, I can tell you right now. See, he can't remember, and he was well, on the road. <laughs> yeah, it, it, it was kind of a lot. So what we did was is we were in Philadelphia, and then we ended up going to North Carolina. And, and South Carolina. And yes, we did Middle Sea Jazz, North Carolina, then we were in South Carolina, and then we did Atlanta. And we were Atlanta, the, right. We were at the winery, and then uh, we ended up in Arlington, Texas. Right. We played in Texas. Oh, yeah. Oh, we also did the OKC Jazz Lab. Yeah, Oklahoma we played in Oklahoma City. City. So we've been out now. This is this this is the this we're playing in Houston. It, we're going to call this this these uh, shows home for the holidays because it's home. I'm going home to Houston. I'm playing in this fabulous, brand new, you know, hotel in Houston. That's you know the talk of the town. And it's called the Post Oak Cafe, and that's on December 14th to the 19th. Then I'm playing a music fest in uh, Phoenix. And let's see, what's before that? And then tonight, tomorrow, I'm playing in. Uh, tomorrow night, we're going to be in Montecito. We're going to be in Montecito, which is Santa Barbara, basically, for the rest of the week. And then we're playing in Los Angeles for eight days. Michael Feinstein has a club here called Vitello's. And uh, we are going to be playing for, for eight days at Vitello's. And New Year's Eve, we're playing in uh, in Las Vegas. Yeah. So we're, we're out there doing it, you know. Oh, definitely. I can't resist asking you about this. He was my all-time favorite guest, and you did two duets with this man. God rest his soul. And I'm hoping you can tell us, what can a singer learn from Frank Sinatra Jr. Oh man, Frankie was my buddy. He was my like brother almost. He came out when I made my first standards album, the new standard. I got a call one day. Well, I listened to my voice messages, you know, and I got this most complimentary call from somebody who said they bought the album and they loved it and they loved the arrangements and it was very serious. Frankie was kind of serious, you know. And he told me he he complimented the arrangements and the selection of songs and and uh, the whole thing. And then at the very end of his of his uh, wonderfully flattering phone call, he said, "By the way, if you'd you know if you'd like to get a hold of me, this is Frank Sinatra Jr. I'd love to talk to you." And he left me his number, and I called him back, and I I almost drove off the road, you know. Because I'm Italian. <laughs> and if my mother knew that the Sinatra, and I've become very dear friends with all the Sinatra family. And if she, my mother knew that, she'd come out of the grave and dance around in a circle, you know. Because uh, there's no, the Italian people, especially, well, so many people love Frank. But me being an Italian boy and having that that family kind of adopt me as their fam in their family, was a dream come true, you know. And Frankie helped me with that whole album, Songs of Sinatra. He wrote the liner notes to it, gave me a couple of arrangements. He sang a tune on there with me. And uh, he's been, he was a very, I miss him, man. He was very, very special in my life. As Tina is and Nancy is. And Nancy Sr., we just lost her not that long ago, like 
seems like yesterday, but it was probably a couple of years ago. And of course, Frankie, he's no longer with us either, you know? Hmm. So, but I, I, I talk to Tina all the time, Tina Sinatra and Nancy occasionally too. Somebody that you produced, I think another person we just lost is one of the great, great singers of all time. Do you have any memories you could share of B.J. Thomas? Sure. I started with B. I got a job working for a company in New York called Scepter Records. And I moved to New York. The lady who owned that company, you know, we had Dion Warwick. We had Burt Backrack and Hal David. And B.J. was my friend from Houston. And I always thought he was the best singer down there. And as soon as I got to New York, first thing I did was tell Florence Greenberg, the lady who owns Scepter, I said, I got a friend in Texas we should sign to the label. He's big in Houston, but he could be big all over the world if he could be heard. And she said, okay, just simple as that. If you think so, let's sign him. And I I called BJ. He had recorded a song with his band in a little local studio in Houston called and the song was called I'm so lonesome I could cry and I picked it up for Scepter and we released it and it became like a top 5 record in the United States and then from that on you know we we did hooked on a feeling and the eyes of a new york woman you know and all those songs rock and roll lullaby raindrops of course you fallen on my head so we had a run that that really helped start my career. It really did start my career. And it started his. Like everything I did for BJ, he did for me by just being successful at it, you know? So by all his first records, uh, I worked on with him. And what what a sweet, sweet man. Yeah, he is. He was. I mean, I have him in my show. If you get to, if you guys come out and see me, I do a little special little little spot in my show that I honor my friend BJ Thomas sing raindrops and, and also rock and roll lullaby. Any producing projects for you coming up? Well, not anything I really want to talk about because it's not finished. And I got one, you. Of, one of them is a, you know, is a major, major artist that I've worked with and, a few times, and we're working on something right now, but he doesn't want to reveal it until it's finished. You know, he doesn't want to reveal what it is. So you'll, you'll find out about it. It'll be out this year. In good time. Has there been any artist that you always wanted to work with that you haven't yet? No, there's a lot of artists like that, man. But I, it doesn't mean that I can't love them. I don't have to work with them to love them, but there's a lot of great people. I mean, I I love Don Henley, you know, and and uh, became friends with Glenn Fry. He he uh, Glenn Fry bought my fr- the record company. I told you it was on Atlantic. Called me. My first album came out. He told me that Glenn Fry bought a hundred copies of it, hmm. and I said, "Really? Yeah, for what?" <laughs> and they said he gave it as his Christmas present, and with a bottle of his favorite wine. Since then, you know, I've seen Cindy Fry. I saw her at the at the Don Henley's last performance, and uh, she told me, as Glenn did, that they they used to dance around to my first album at their house. It was very special to them. So 
I wanted to work with Glenn. You know, he made a standards album. I wish I could have worked on that with him. And he he was somebody that both of those guys, Glenn and Don, are two of my favorites. I wish I I wish I would have worked with, but to have it didn't. They they didn't need me too bad. I mean, they did okay without me producing them. You know, both of them. But I love their music, and there's a lot of people like that. I mean, not a lot, but. And I love Frank. I mean, there's there's just a lot. Of, it's hard to say mm-hmm. who's, your, who's your who you wish you could have worked with. I've been blessed to have worked with a lot of people though over the years. You know, at uh, usually most of the time on on duets, like I'd get somebody to sing with Rod Stewart on an album I produced for him, and that that helped. You know, I'm I'm Bette Midler sang on one of his things and. And she was great. And I can't remember all the people that sang with Rod on the albums I produced for him. So I got to meet a lot of people like that. Well, I want to encourage everybody, please check out Shades of Ray. Go on stevetyrell.com. Also, check out the radio show, the Steve Tyrell right. show. That yeah, that's uh, that's I've been doing this for five years. It's my own show, and I don't always have to be there. I mean, I can do it from the road too. You know, it's K Jazz eighty eight point one Los Angeles. If you're in Los Angeles, you can put it on the in, on the car radio. But if you're anywhere else in the world, you you can listen to it. Listen to us on jazzandblues.org. I'm on Drive Time in Los Angeles five to seven, five to eight. So you have to, if you're in New York, it would be 8 to 11, you know. But it's it's live 5 to 8 in Los Angeles. And whatever that equates, if you're in Oklahoma City, maybe it's 6 to 9 or so. I, you know what I mean? Right. But, yeah, every day, five days a week, KJAZ, 88.1. Well, do you have any parting words for our viewers or listeners before we go? No, I hope they get a chance to listen to this Shades of Ray album. I think it's, I mean, I love the title. The title yeah. came right out of the blue. You know, it's a lot of it has just been something I always wanted to do. I'm proud of it. I don't, you know, it's my 13th album. I don't know how many more albums you get to make, but I'm very proud if if I don't ever make another album that this, that I did this one. So I hope that you guys, you know, you can download it. And listen to it. There's plenty of ways to listen to Shades of Ray. And I hope your audience does and that they enjoy it as much as I did making it. Thank you so much, sir. A great pleasure. My pleasure. Thank you for having me, Paul, on your show, man. An honor. Until next time. Adios, amigos. Adios. All right, sir. That's a wrap. I appreciate it a lot. Thank you. Thank you for doing it, man. Anonymous. I think we I think we got something good good, didn't you? I think so. Yeah, it felt good. Absolutely. I enjoyed it. <laughs> Thank you, man. Thank you, Paul, a lot. Stay in touch with me, will you? Will and, do. And where are you located? Atlanta, Georgia. Oh yeah. I just was in Atlanta. Damn it. You could have come. I was at the winery. Yeah, I, I missed it. I'm sorry. I saw you the last time you were in Yeah, Atlanta. it was very good, man. The people are great there. I, I worked in Atlanta. I did some of BJ's records in Doraville, Georgia. 
Doraville, yeah. With Buddy Bowie and J.R. Cobb and the Atlanta Rhythm Section. Yeah, we did some work down there. I love that town. Take care, man. All right. Until next time. Yeah, I'll see you soon, I hope. Thank you for stopping by today. If you enjoyed our program, consider telling a friend about it. The Paul Leslie Hour is made possible through people just like you. So you want to keep the show going, right? Go to thepaulleslie.com. That's thepaulleslie.com. Click on Support the Show. And thanks to everyone who contributes. Performance of the intro music is courtesy of John Primerano, the entertainer, written by Scott Joplin. End credit theme music is courtesy of John Primerano, the traditional song, Corina, Corina. Your announcer is Dan Gold. Hey, that's me. The show is hosted and produced by Paul Leslie. And we'll see you next time on the Paul Leslie Hour.